I'm Annie Fitzsimmons. I'm your Washington Realtors Legal Hotline lawyer. And this is another video in our series entitled Perspectives on a Transitioning Market. And I'm grateful that Shelly Schmitz is sticking with us. She hasn't <laughs> abandoned this effort yet. And now we are joined by a title officer to the stars, Ben Case. Wow. Ben, would you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, th th thanks again for the invitation. And yeah, I'm Ben Case. I'm from Title I uh, in the Walla Walla office is where my home base is. And I've been in the industry, I've been in Title Escrow for 17 years now, real estate in general over 20 years now. So, so you've seen a transition. Boy, yeah. And, and uh, so I've been through this a couple times. Um, and we're hopeful that uh, it's going to be a little bit smoother than maybe the last the last time we've been through this uh, correction in the market, you might say. But but significantly, you were here through the 2007 to 2012 time frame, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. And, so. and obviously, it's the most, if for anybody that's been in the industry for a while, that's going to be the, the biggest experience for sure. But even the two, early 2000s, there was a couple glitches that we worked through. Okay. All right, let's, before we even get to stuff that I think is most pertinent to the transitioning market, let's talk a little bit about what a title officer, what the role is that you play in a transaction. Anybody who's ever heard me teach a class knows that the thing that I pound probably harder than anything else is listing brokers order your preliminary commitment for title at the time you get the listing, not before, but immediately upon getting the listing, the very first phone call you make is to your own Ben Case to order your preliminary commitment for title, right? Correct, yeah. And we work hand in hand with your escrow officer. And so I really enjoyed the comments earlier today that Shelly made about the, uh, you know, making this, uh, your escrow officer your friend, you know, being kind to them and working closely with them and that communication mm -hmm. that's involved. And, you know, as a title officer, my job is to provide all the information that's pertinent to that transaction to ensure that that escrow officer can facilitate that sale and, and that the buyers come out with clear title. And our goal is to provide as much of that, if not all of that information right up front so that we don't have any glitches or we can minimize the glitches. We all, we've all been in the industry long enough to know there's never, it is very rare that you're gonna have a completely clean transaction, but we wanna minimize all those bumps in the road and ideally um, get them cleaned up and taken care of far long before we get down to the the last hour and we're uh, funding that transaction so let's see if we're on the same wavelength here jump up on that soapbox with me ben and answer this question for me in two words tell the brokerage community what you want them to do with that preliminary commitment for title as soon as they receive the report is this where i grab the camera and yes. pull it close <laughs> read your commitment <laughs> read it right <laughs> Yes, we've many classes. We we really and, I, and, it, and, it, and again we talk about title insurance and title and escrow. It's it's not really classy and jazzy conversation, right? It's not it's not the most interesting topic all the time. But boy, it's so important, isn't it? Because I mean, this is where this is where all every all that hard work, you know, starting with your listing all the way through the process, it all comes together at this point. And our goal is, is to try to give you as much leading information as possible. And that title commitment is the start of it right there. And please, please, please read that title commitment. So I have just listed and sold a home for my seller whose name is Sally Smith. And I've got this preliminary commitment for me in okay. front of me. And it doesn't make any sense because fee simple title is held by Julie Johnson. 
Right, yeah, and so this is a classic one there with, um, if you visualize a checklist as you're reading through your title commitment, the very first one's gonna be that vesting. I mean, you just have to make sure whoever signed on your listing your listing agreement is the same person signed that title report, because if there's any discrepancy, I mean, you have a problem, right. let alone the, the conveyance and, and sale of that property in the long run. Okay, so tell me what's wrong with this story, okay? I'm the listing broker, I, my client is Sally Smith, I see Julie Johnson, I pick up the phone and I call Sally, and Sally says, oh, don't worry, Julie Johnson is, was my mother. She recently deceased, but I'm, I'm the heir. I, I mean, I'm the PR, so sure. it's fine. I'll be, able to, I'll be able to handle it. Okay, good, and off I go to, to, in the transaction. What am I missing? Well, uh, some evidence of that would be good to <laughs> start out with. And again, if you're getting ready to list that property, just call us. We'll pull a title commitment. We'll, that's we'll, what I was missing. Yeah, that's, that's, right. what I, that's what I wanted you to say. Call yeah, me, yeah. right? And we can, even before the commitment's prepared, because uh, that, that might take a day or two, but uh, we can at least very easily check the, the court records and verify that for you. Right. So it's not enough that I understand this from Sally, my seller. I've got to communicate this information to the title officer. You can't clear the title report, can't fix this issue. Right. We can't verify what Sally's saying until you know that, that there's a, w would you even know that Julie Johnson wasn't the seller? Yeah, I mean, again, if, if, if there's, in, in that particular county, if there is a pending you know, probate, then we'll find it. But uh, again, that communication is so important. And, yeah. and you can channel, you can funnel all that through your escrow officer, that's fine. But the idea is that even before you lift that property, let's get a title commitment going. Just open an order. Escrow officers love that as well. Even though we don't have a bona fide purchaser, we don't have a contract yet, in Washington it's turned out to be a pretty, very, actually a very useful tool. I'm not going to say pretty good tool. It's been a great tool for both of us because it helps us eliminate a lot of the bottlenecks and, and, and frankly a lot of time wasted on transactions that could have been vetted a lot better. So same scenario, but when I call Sally, she says, oh, Julie Johnson is my mom. She's, I have her power of attorney. Yeah, so again, these are all these, these little triggers that we don't expect every broker to be an expert on, okay? But a power of attorney is, can be a really useful tool, but there's a lot of caveats to that. And we're gonna go through that check, our own little checklist to kind of, again, vet that, uh, that whole, uh, proposition that this this power of attorney would actually so be what do you need a copy of it you and need then, the power of attorney yep, right and ultimately we actually need to make sure we have the original floating around somewhere because that turns out to be kind of a bugaboo and so because uh, that it ultimately will be recorded with the with the transfer deed so you know all these little little elements again not expected to be something that you guys handle for us as brokers but we just need to be able to communicate and, and we can help walk through that, uh, that scenario with you and your client. Yeah. Shelly, jump in here. Th this is yes. just where I, I just think it cannot be overemphasized that brokers, you know, so much of today of the, I'm sorry, of this series ha has been built around relationships and communication. And this is just an absolutely fundamental communication that brokers have to have with, with title, with the title department, with title officer to say, here's an issue. I don't know if it's really a problem or not, but I just want to bring it to your attention. Is there a problem? Right. So you don't have to be the expert, obviously title officer, you're, you're the broker, but take the classes, learn about title reports so that when you read it, 
you know, hey, this is a red flag or this seems a little different. So then you can go to the title officer or the escrow officer and ask the questions or bring it to their attention because they don't know the parties. Like they're not sitting in front of the people. And I, I've had in the past or sometimes I brought things up and people were like, oh, okay, it, on their end, it wasn't a problem until I told them what was going on on our end. They're like, well, now that is a problem, so yeah. we need to get that fixed. And I love to talk about the vesting piece um, because as our market is shifting, and we have had this now happen, where the seller needed to change how uh, title was, was vested. And escrow said, seller, we need you to make this change. The seller did not do that timely and they are in an offer and the buyer gets cold feet and says, I actually don't want to close, but the buyer had no outs. So it just so happened because the seller did not do what they were supposed to do timely. By the time they did it, then escrow and the loan officer or the lending company did not have time to get the uh, lending docs to escrow for them to do their piece to get the buyer in to sign and they ended up going past the close date well buyers like I'm sorry I'm not closing yeah and the buyer did not have to do an extension and so the seller without realizing it actually gave the buyer an out right seller is obligated to to provide insurable title right that's the seller's requirement under the purchase and sale agreement is to provide insurable title and so if the title company can't insure the title seller hasn't performed buyers performance is excused even if they don't have a contingency and if you have a preliminary title report you've read it title officer says hey we need to have this change listing broker you're working with your seller on making sure they get that done and perfection would be before they get an offer right. but the sooner you know the better you can deal with it and then you even close some potential loopholes because we could be seeing things different in this market than we have in the past. Yeah. And we just have to all be on it. I, I can't stress enough on reading that title report. Mm -hmm. and, and like I said, you do not have to be the expert, but you have to know what a red flag looks like. But you have to be able to pick up the phone mm -hmm. and call the person who is the expert. Yes. So one more thing before we leave vesting and before we leave who is the owner, because this is another thing I see a lot. So back to Sally Smith being the seller and Julie Johnson being vested in title to the property. And then Sally says, oh, I hold power of attorney for her. I pick up the phone and you say, I need to see that document. You get the copy of the power of attorney. You review it and say, yep, this is great. But there's more to it than that, isn't there? Because if Sally Smith just signs the purchase and sale agreement as Sally Smith, we don't have a binding purchase and sale agreement because Sally Smith is not the seller. True. Right? Yeah, so Sally true. Smith has to sign in a particular format. That's correct, yeah. If I were the listing broker and I called you, Ben, and I said, Ben, I remember Annie Fitzsimmons saying something about this, but I can't remember what it is exactly the signature is supposed to look like. Can you help the broker craft what the seller's signature block should look like? Well, there's... You know, we're not licensed to prepare purchase and sale agreements, so we have to be clear about that, right? right. Uh, it's because we have the same caveats that you do with uh, uh, practicing law or practicing outside of the scope of our license. But in respect to, you know, what we would, ex what the the signature that we're going to 
prepare or the signature block that we're going to prepare for our documents right. and for facilitating the actual closing, we right. can easily pass that along to, exactly. to a broker. Because whatever the title block, the signature block is for the seller on the on the deed conveying title to the buyer, that's the same signature block that should be on the purchase and sale yep. agreement. Exactly. And you can provide that, escrow can provide that, but you only know that the broker needs it if the broker picks up the phone and asks for it. And so I just used <clears throat> the example of a signer holding a power of attorney for the seller, but it, it would be the same thing if the seller was an LLC or a corporation Correct. or a partnership. Anytime the seller is an entity or signing on behalf of another human being, the signature block needs to be something other than just the, the signer's name. And, and again, in a market where you're concerned about people looking for outs, because we've, we've had it both ways now, mm -hmm. right? We've had it for sellers and for, now we're gonna have it for buyers. So the uh, dotting your I's, crossing your T's, and communicating with your escrow officer, they're usually your best source for helping kind of see some uh, potential you know, loopholes. And uh, so having that relationship, like, like it's been spoken of before, is really key and for sure they're a great great resource and as a title officer that's we work in tandem and we're here we're here to help yeah absolutely yeah okay so Shelly mentioned taking a class on title reports I think that's a great idea we, we can't spend the length of a class in this time in this no. video though so we're only going to really look at two issues we've already talked about vesting and the importance of understanding who the seller is and communicating with your title officer about who the seller is the other thing that I want to talk about, and I think this this is triggered more by the transitioning, or at least this has this has a, it interfaces better with the transitioning market topic, and that is reviewing the encumbrances. Right? It is, yeah, and you need to be able to navigate the section of the title commitment, the title report that outlines all the exceptions, and that's your Schedule B, okay. And as you go through those special exceptions. Um, you're looking for anything that would need to be cleared from title and, and especially when there's reference to loans, encumbrances, debts, uh, the liens. liens. And we talked about forbearance agreements because that's kind of a, a trans, that's part of this transition as well as we're, that, that's going to get flushed out with a lot of these folks uh, that maybe through COVID, you know, had to exercise that, that clause with their loan and um, that, that's a second mortgage essentially or a third. You know, it kind of depends on yeah. how things are set up. And uh, so you're looking for, and, and again, if there's any question or, uh, you know, mystery on, a, on any level regarding those, be sure just to communicate that with your escrow officer. We're here to make you look good. You know, we want the brokers to be successful. We know that our business is uh, made so much easier when we're in partnership with, with brokers and navigating all those, uh, you know, potential concerns. And yeah. so we can we can actually make you shine if uh, if we're having that communication early in the in the process. But as it gets further down, it gets harder to navigate. Yeah. And and we're just trying to provide you with all the tools you you need to to, to be as successful as possible. So when I think about the encumbrances on title and how <laughs> that uh, is impacted by the transitioning market, here's where I'm going with that. Brokers have always had to be smart about reading title reports. You always want to be able to read it and understand it. But when the, when the seller's property value is going like this, it's less worrisome mm -hmm. what the encumbrance level is on the property. But if the market is relatively flat or slightly increasing or even worse, slightly declining, then all of a sudden those encumbrances 
could be the difference between your seller being able to provide insurable title or not, right? So example, well, here we are in 2022, we read our title report, buyer, took, buyer bought this property in 2018, and then in 2020, they took, or 21 even, they took an equity back refinance and pulled all the value out of the property at the time. And now the price has increased ever so slightly since the time that they did that. Is that a red flag? Very much so. And again, our, our escrow officers are gonna do their part and try to find as many solutions as possible to, to you know, nav ensure that we have firm numbers on what it's gonna take to clear title. They're gonna order payoff. They're gonna order all these payoffs. And um, unfortunately, if it comes back, and we haven't heard this word in a long time, but a short sale, that's uh, that uh, the first line item that the, the seller is gonna look at on that uh, settlement statement is that broker's commission. And, and, and that's sadly just, they're looking for every gap they can. Otherwise, we're gonna okay, go back so, and- this video is going to be viewed by brokers who've been in the business for a long time and brokers who've been in the business since the last 10 years. They don't know what you just said. So you got to slow down and say that again. Okay. So the seller, when we say the seller is short, we're not referring to their stature. We're referring to the amount of money that's going to come in the proceeds from the sale versus the money that they have to pay off existing debt secured by the property, right? Correct. So if the buyer is paying 500000 and the seller has encumbrances of $490,000 against the title of that property, but then also has to pay excise tax, pay for a title report, pay for escrow, and pay a broker's compensation on top of that, they are going to exceed, the, they're going to, the, the money that they're gonna to need to close is going to exceed what buyer's going to pay in the form of a purchase price, right? That's correct. That's a short sale. That when that number at the bottom of that settlement statement shows the seller coming in with money to close, that is a tough conversation for everybody. And so then the first question is, will the lender, let's just assume we've only got one lender. Sometimes we've got two or three lenders stacked up, but let's just assume for the purposes of the conversation, we've only got one lender. First question might be, will that lender take less than the $495,000 secured by their deed of trust, right? And this goes to what you were saying. That lender is going to say, you, the purchase price is 500, you only owe me 495, why would I take less, right? Correct, yeah. And the first place the lender is gonna direct that seller is back to the? Real estate broker. To the real estate broker. Yeah, and it's, the, you know, it's not how, it's not why we're, we're here. You're here to market and sell, help them sell the property. And you've done that. You've, you've helped them find a buyer and, and and, uh, and negotiate a, what was probably a fair sale. And so, again, pulling that title commitment right out of the gate before it's even listed is so important so that we can actually maybe even preliminarily pull a, a payoff statement even before there's a buyer. So that way, no, no one's going into this thing blind. And more importantly, your time isn't wasted on a transaction that maybe those, those folks are gonna sit on the sidelines for a few years and hope that their, their equity is uh, picked up again. Yeah, exactly. And that and you know that no broker wants to to be told that they can't list the property and no and they don't want to tell a seller I can't help you. But Shelley, speak to this from the broker's perspective. If if you're a broker looking at that let's say it's that transaction, 
this property, you're not going to get more than $500,000 for it. And we now know that what the seller borrowed just a year ago was $495,000. What are you going to tell the broker that's sitting in your office saying, I want to list this property? What are you going to say to them? So ironically enough, I've been having these conversations the last couple of years, very few. For what I say to my brokers is, if you have never been through a short sale as far as negotiating one, you, this is not going to be your first one. I'm going to help you get connected to a, a seasoned broker in my office who does know how to negotiate a short sale and you will work together. This is not something where you're like, oh, we'll just call the bank and ask if they'll take less. It's not even close to that. You have to f know the process and how to work through it and, and the whole picture. So if you are running into a situation where you got a potential short sale, you need to get connected with somebody that knows how to do this and you start calling the bank and having conversations with them before you go on the market. Because if that bank will not negotiate at all, then it's like, seller, either you're bringing money in or this is not the time for you to sell. If the bank will negotiate, you wanna get a feel for what are we looking at here? How low might they come down? What is the paperwork? What is their process? Um, so there is so much involved. Right. And then there's a whole other piece once you get your offer. There's just so much involved. Uh, I will say from a short sale foreclosure side of it, if you have never done one of those transactions as a listing agent, do not do that on your own. You need to have somebody helping you. It's your designated broker. It is another broker who has experience in these. Um, you'll, first of all, you may not make it to close. And if it's a for, uh, short sales and foreclosures have different rules. And if you're not aware of these rules, you're actually going to be hurting the client. So the, this is not a, a transaction like, oh, I'll just kind of wing it. That, that actually scares me as a designated broker, if somebody were to have that attitude. But you, you may not have that attitude, but you might fall unwittingly into that position if you don't know how yes. to read, if you don't get the title report and you don't know how to read the title report, and then you don't pick up the phone and call your title officer and your escrow officer. And this speaks to your point of being very thoughtful in your review of that initial title commitment because it's not going to come with flashing no. lights or a, you know a, a cool little gift that says you know this is a short you know potential short sale because we don't know the payoffs we don't know right. what the sale price is going to be there, none of that information is going to be available at that point but you have an idea and you've done a market comparison of you know probably where it's going to list and and so it's really important that you're connecting all those dots and leveraging that information and that title commitment and your research. That way, you know, again, you wanna look as professional, you wanna be as professional as possible. That's how you get you know, that, that same sale a year and a half from now, a year and a half from now when the market does correct or you know, levels out or whatever, mm -hmm. so. And I'd say too on that, um, <clears throat> with the encumbrances, sometimes you can catch a, a looming foreclosure, right? But if you don't know what that verbiage is, you may read it and be, oh yeah, it's, you know, notice the trustee sale, whatever that means, and, and move on. Well, that's your red flag. That's right. That we need to have further conversation with the seller because not all sellers will willingly tell you <clears throat> that they're in a financial situation, especially like with a foreclosure and with a short sale, they actually may not know until you're telling them the price of the home 
you're doing your net and then you're like, well, this is where, you know, we, we're going to have to have further conversation because this is where it falls. Maybe now is not the right time to sell or they're in a situation where no matter what they have to sell. Right. So now what will those next steps be? Right. Who, who are and the, the same is true with bankruptcy. But if they're, in, mm -hmm. if they're in bankruptcy, it should show up on the title report. But they could be on the verge of bankruptcy. They could be on the verge of foreclosure because they've missed payments, but the lender hasn't yet taken action. Yes. And those are questions you're, you're not going to get the answers from the title report. You're yeah. going to have to get those answers from an honest seller. Yes. And, and, and to the point of uh, the bankruptcy and representing our Eastern Washington people, uh, in, in counties where we don't have a district court, actually the bankruptcy won't show up on there. So oh, what we will get is go. notices about, you know, if, if there's a trustee that needs to be involved. But, but otherwise, yeah, there's a lot of good, good field work that's going to need to be done now in comparison to maybe a listing even just a year ago. Yeah. On your part as a broker, yeah. And I like to say too, you know, we've been talking short sales, foreclosures, bankruptcies, uh, forbearance. There's also IRS liens, mm -hmm. things like that. So child support, child yeah. support. There are other things that will trigger uh, these red flags that that you do need to look at. And so I I know my brokers get really tired of me saying. Oh, there's a class coming in. You need to take it. Oh, let's call so and so, and and we're going to talk about this title report. I mean, I'm always, always harping on them. I know that's how they look at it as harping. I'm just trying to help them. All the brokers I know, they <laughs> love to come to title master classes. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's you know. But it's worth you it. You teach them. It is right? worth yeah. it. Is, but it's worth it. But so. it is so so worth it. So there are classes out there, like you said. You know, they might not be so exciting as some others. But they are so important, yeah. and you can't just say "eh." You really have to be there. Yeah. You really do. And I, I, I agree with that. They need to take time. They need to take the classes. But even if this, if this issue comes up for them tomorrow and they haven't had the class yet, read the title report. If you've got an, uh, if you've got a, a loan showing up on the, if, if we're dealing with this, with this property that you've determined as a five hundred thousand dollar value, and you've got a loan showing up from even two thousand sixteen, for four hundred ninety thousand. From 2016 to 2022, the likelihood of that principal, the principal value in that loan reducing very significantly is very small. It probably hasn't. It's probably pretty close to what the borrowed amount was. So broker, if you read the, yes, you take a class, but you can know some of this stuff just intuitively if you read the title report with a critical eye and think about the comparison between the encumbrance level you're seeing even though it's not the payoff, look at the encumbrance level that's revealed on the title report, compare that to the date that the lien was filed, or the encumbrance was filed, and compare all of that to the purchase price. And, and that alone may give you enough information to say, ooh, I gotta get Ben on the phone, right. or I, I've gotta get Jen Dempsey, my escrow officer on the phone, I gotta get somebody who can help me figure out what's going on here. And I've had it too where I have sent the title report to the sellers because I was like, hey, this is what I got. You know, look it over. Does anything look odd to you? Sometimes I've had things show up on title reports and they're like, uh, we don't know what that is. And it's a second mortgage that was paid off but never re recorded re that it was whatever the... Reconveyed. There yep. you go. That's the word I was looking yep. for. Um, and then we've been chasing that. Oh, sure. But if you know that in the beginning, right. you have, you have time. time. 
And the Oregon bond, or Oregon Washington bond, depending on which mm -hmm. state you're practicing in, is going to have you know another sometimes a surprise because no, they're not making any payments on that. Yeah. Right. But it's hanging out there and needs to be released and yeah. paid, paid off. And all this stuff is really curable. Oh, sure. It's just well, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> most of it. Um, but it it also runs into if you know far enough in advance, it truly can be a non-issue. Right. If you're if you discover it at closing. And you're being surprised and everybody's scrambling, that's when it's just not not good. Yes. So, yeah, know about it sooner. Okay, well, we could probably teach a whole title oh, class, oh, yeah. but, we'll, but we're not going to do that today. Anything else that I, I, I want to focus on things that are, well, I wanted to focus on vesting, and I also want to focus on anything that you think is particularly relevant with respect to title reports and the transitioning market. Is there anything we've left out? I would say make sure that your clients are reviewing the title report also. Seller or buyer, look through this. Do they have any questions on this? Yeah, the seller might say, that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> that's not my debt. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Help us help you. So communication, you know, mm -hmm. just let, let us know what's going on in the transaction, what questions anybody has. There, there's no silly questions when it comes to uh, selling someone's home and especially in a market like this, we want to make sure we're running it. Uh, informed on all these, uh, you know, every, in through every step of it. Yeah. All right. T title officers are my hero, along with the escrow officer. They're just, they're so golden in a transaction. Yeah. yeah. And communication is so important. Mm -hmm. If you have questions on this topic or any other, visit warealtor.org, click the link for the legal hotline, and ask me a question. Thank you for being a Washington Realtor member.